0: Hey, welcome to Genre Exposure, a film podcast. Join us as we explore the wide world of cinema, broadening our horizons one movie at a time. I'm one of your hosts, Dustin, and as usual, I'm here with Michael. Hey, guys. And Jason. Hello, everyone. What's up, guys?
1: How you doing? Oh, God. I'm here. Doing good. I'm doing good. I'm, <laughs> doing, I'm doing okay. Good was a little, a little too, you know... <sighs> What's the word? Uh... I already fucked this up. up. (laughs) We had one question. (laughs) How you doing?
2: uh,
0: (laughs) Should I, like, ask it again, or do you want to just start with how you feel?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Let's let Michael go first.
2: Oh, I'm good, guys. Thanks. I can answer this question. I'm good. I'm Mm -hmm. feeling good. I've just had a baby, though. So, Yay, congratulations. Uh, thank you. Woo! You've been going through a lot with that, though. I didn't have, I mean, I didn't have the baby, mm-hmm. obviously. My wife had the baby. But, but yeah, so life is crazy. Life is very different. But genre exposure forever. That's right.
1: Well, <laughs> you here. left your newborn child and your wife. <laughs> there at Honey, home. Honey, I've got to go. I've got to do genre
2: exposure. <laughs> That's Don't exactly what I said. That's not what I said. said. You begged for permission. I did. I did. I got a shore leave for a little bit. We're
0: appreciative for her sparing your time. That's right. And congratulations. <laughs> yep. Thank you. Thank congratulations, you. man. It's
1: so exciting. Thank you. Jason, how are you doing? I'm doing well, thanks. Take two.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm doing very well. I've had some house issues, but, you know, things are getting there. So, But it looked you know. good
2: when I pulled up. It wasn't a giant chasm not anymore. Not a big pit around my house? No. no. Well, that's a plus.
1: And not the kind of pit you want to have. <laughs> well, in the basement? Yeah. Yeah no no you don't want those either <laughs> well i mean if you're buffalo bill you do but <laughs> <laughs> okay well i'm not buffalo bill so not Damn. yet i don't think i like what you're implying sir <laughs> I, I mean
2: i've seen what you do in here <laughs> what's that song that's always playing on the radio in here oh yeah well, what is the name of
1: that song shit i don't remember something about horses
3: yeah what i the don't song even that know. buffalo bill's
1: listening oh. to when he's doing his little dance and putting on his makeup and stuff I forget. It's something about horses. Right. Yeah. right. <laughs> so, uh, this
0: is a podcast, by the way. Oh, how are you doing, Justin? <laughs> oh, I'm good. Yeah. I'm glad to be here, always. Awesome. Um, so, I finally snooked you guys into talking about anime. Which yes. Is cool. But first, as we usually do, let's talk a little bit about what we've been watching and warm up. Cool.
1: How about you, uh, new baby man? You got a chance to watch anything?
2: Well, I'm copping out just a little bit because I didn't have the time to do what I'd normally want to do and pick something, you know, super cool that I could talk about. Something obscure to get scene points or something. Yeah, yeah, I didn't have time to do that. I mean, judging by the ones that I've done in the past podcasts where, I mean, yeah, total scene points for me, picking a movie called Porno. Um, Yeah. So I watched Mortal Kombat, like the rest of the world did. Mm -hmm. And um, I have thoughts. Are you a fan of the games? Because I am. Yeah, I am. I kind of... I mean, I grew up on them, obviously. But I kind of fell off towards the new-gen consoles. Mm -hmm. But I probably blew a fortune (laughs) at the local arcade. (laughs) Me too, man. Me too. Who was your go-to? Mortal Kombat 3 is probably the one that I spent the most time on.
0: Yeah, that's the one I played the most. Uh, I always loved playing like any of the ninjas. Scorpion, Sub-Zero, Smoke.
2: Smoke was usually my go-to guy. So I spent a fortune on that. So I do... Like the franchise, you know, I really do, and I played some of the new console stuff, and it's super cool. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yeah, I was a teenager when the first one came out. Yeah, so old. I remember <laughs> I was OG Mortal Kombat, and I remember it was it was huge. It really cannot be overstated how big this game was. It really right.
3: kind
2: of was groundbreaking, though. I got cartoons, comics, action figures, everything. It blew up, mm-hmm. and it's a pretty groundbreaking type of game too. I mean, that's really the first game I saw widespread that had gore in it. Right, it was the first one to push that envelope, and there was
0: a lot of kickback. I remember like, what Hillary Clinton had the push about like, violent video games oh, yeah. back yeah. in the day. There was a big hullabaloo yeah. about
2: it. When, in retrospect, it's really not that much.
1: Well, I mean, now it's not. At the no. time, it was...
2: Mm. Yeah, I do remember... Um, do you remember University Cinemas like down off sure. of the bypass? Yeah, it was like a dollar theater. Yeah, yeah, they always played pretty much third-rate stuff, or, or something mm-hmm. that was in the major theaters like four weeks ago. They had the first Mortal Kombat there, Mm -hmm. and I would, uh, yeah, I pumped a lot of money into that game, (laughs) and just it became almost ritualistic. You'd go to the theater there, and you'd hear like flawless victory behind (laughs) it, like it was just part of going to the theater. You heard Mortal Kombat, so I got kind of pumped. Like when I heard this one was coming out, I mean I'm not the biggest James Wan fan, but I'm okay. Was he involved? He's executive producer, right? Was he? I don't know. Shit, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure he was executive producer on it. Uh,
0: I'm a stickler about franchise stuff, so when I heard that they made the new character who's like an MMA guy that's not from the games, I was kind of just like, I'm gonna ignore this now till someone tells me to go watch it.
2: <laughs> um, it had, I think the reason that they did that, um, and and I'll just go ahead and say I did enjoy the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Jason and I have talked – well, we've talked about this just a little bit. Jason was going to do this movie, but we actually had a Mortal Kombat tournament right before we started, and I won, <laughs> so I get to talk about this movie. Yeah, but it was not a
1: flawless victory, so you know no. I got a few punches in. Yeah,
2: we cried. We both cried a lot. <laughs> I, I think the main reason that Cole is in it, uh, the new MMA guy, mm-hmm. is really just a vehicle to tell more of a Scorpion story, mm-hmm. Um, which I like the way they've done things in the – like – Here's what I like about the film. I think it actually did try to go closer to the game storyline mm-hmm. as much as you could. I mean, there's part of me that's kind of I still kind of have an attachment to the one with Christopher <laughs> Lambert in it. It's fun for it, sure. It, it's bad, it's but goofy, it's fun. But, you know,
1: at least what this one had that the game had that this new movie did not have was an actual tournament. There's no tournament.
2: And so that took a lot of kickback. There's mm-hmm. no tournament, but apparently the writers said we'd always intended for the tournament to actually be part
1: two. <laughs> oh,
2: you can't do that though.
0: I know.
1: <laughs> I, I know. That. I hate that so much. So it is James Wan produced, by the way. Okay. Okay. So I was right. You were right. Okay. You were right. Yeah. Well I remember that they was
3: not. <laughs>
2: that was the deal. Like everybody was like, oh, James Wan's involved, so it's gonna be gory. Mm-hmm. But but it wasn't gory. That's kind of my problem, is that There's a shit ton of CG gore, Mm -hmm. but none of it feels real. There's never a point of that that feels like, yes, Mortal Kombat's always over the top with the gores and the fatality Mm -hmm. and stuff, and it's always supposed to be like, oh, that's so absurd that it's not possible. Yeah, But this, like, they set the movie in a very realistic tone. Mm -hmm. Like, everything felt grounded. Everybody's powers felt grounded. You know, like, even Sub-Zero's felt like it had an earthly weight to it. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: It wasn't all crazy, crazy supernatural. But that is Mortal Kombat. Yeah. <laughs> Going crazy and just over the top. So,
1: I don't know. I feel like that kind of got lost, though. The gore just became. I think they tried to have it both ways. Yeah. I think they tried to have it grounded, yet that fantastical, you know, ninja power type thing, too. It's yeah. Just...
2: And the way that they each get their own. Like, they're not the earthly fighters are not innately. Like, they don't naturally have their special ability.
1: Yeah, yet. they call it arcana. They have to find their arcana.
2: Yeah.
3: Mmm.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: you're not selling me on this movie um
0: but they're not trying to
2: the reasons i would say go check it out is because it does have a cool cast um there's some cool people involved none of which i can remember their names um but <laughs> yikes yeah i they're, you've seen them and yeah. everything um but uh jaka is in it from the raid yeah oh, he yeah. plays sub-zero nice that is a plus um but th- i will say though the fights do seem a little over choreographed they don't always hit as hard as I think they should for mm-hmm. the people involved, and especially for Mortal Kombat. When you look at some of the other great, do they ever do like the X-ray zoom-in bone-breaking thing? No, so that, I, know, I know that that's a been big, cool, uh, big feature
1: in the newer games. They should have done no, that. They
2: really didn't. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you... so that, that was taken from the, the old, the old Sonny Chiba movie, Street Fighter. Mm-hmm. I think that's when that was first done. Yeah, those are cool too, and that would have been cool to see a modern take on that in a movie. So mm-hmm. I, I wish they had done that. You could pretty,
2: and the movie pretty easily set up the you knew when a fatality was coming like you knew when somebody's signature fatality from the game was about to happen and they didn't make any bones about it they was they were totally winking at the camera saying yeah on
1: screen the back back forward, down uppercut (laughs) yeah yeah
2: it actually popped up there yeah Yeah. it's
1: crazy Mm -hmm. that was was a bold choice
2: (laughs) (laughs) not sure i would have done that but cool Wow. I don't know. Did you look up? Did you notice who voiced Cabal though? Uh no. It's the uh, I can't. I the only way I know how to tell you is he's Dewey Crow, from Justified. Oh, I love Dewey uh, also. He played Charles Manson in um, Mindhunter. Hunter. Mm, okay. Oh yeah, he was really good in that. A super awesome actor and really great in the film The Nightingale, which oh, I still need to see. That. I still need to see. I that, want to yeah. God, I'll plug that so fucking hard. Maybe it that, should
1: hey. We haven't seen maybe it. Maybe, maybe uh, it. Maybe yeah, maybe we close. should watch
2: that. It's a painful watch. I will <laughs> tell you that. Like, emotionally... Well, that's my thing. Yeah. Emo- emotionally Bring brutal.
0: It. I'm not surprised that you love it based on what I've heard.
2: Uh, no, it's really good. He's great in it, too. So, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I was a little... Like, I told Jason through our messages when I watched it. Yeah, I was like, I didn't turn it off. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, I was entertained enough to leave the movie on. Mm-hmm. And I'll say, if you already have HBO Max for the other super cool shit that's on there... Like God, there's how much Kurosawa's on there. Yeah, I keep adding a lot. choices. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, if you go ahead and get HBO Max for that, and then if you got time to kill, I mean,
0: um, have you guys seen? They recently did an animated uh, Mortal Kombat, like direct to video thing. You yeah. were telling
2: me about it, but I haven't
0: seen it. It's kind of the same thing where it's very focused on the Scorpion Sub Zero storyline. And I've actually seen a lot of people online be like, uh, the the new movie feels awkward because this animated film that came out just a little earlier kind of did the same thing, but. Uh, Is that maybe... from a video
1: game or something? Is that like from some of the lore of a video game? Yeah, yeah, and...
0: it goes back to the very first game and kind of the setup of uh, Sub Zero and Scorpion no. and like the Lin Kuei. Okay, and that's what they did. In you're right. This one too. Right.
1: Yeah.
2: You
0: just
1: if you're... I just didn't know if it had the video game origin or not. Oh yeah.
2: Well, I, and I think you kind of if you're not like super into the lore. You kinda, that gets kind of lost. I haven't paid yeah. much
1: past the third one, so. <laughs>
2: how do you turn on the console?
1: <laughs> Actually, fighting games are like the only thing I can do decently. No, um, you can.
2: Interesting. Yes, I, I can. I beat the shit out of you in all those fighting games. Well,
1: yeah, how I many know. How many times I did we suck.
2: play Tekken and I just destroyed you? <laughs> I never liked Tekken. <laughs> we won't have to
0: have a genre exposure tournament here later, but. Uh, Street Bravo Fighter <laughs> 2 tournament right now. Let's do it. <laughs>
2: I'm deadly with Cameo, you? <laughs> so yeah, I'll leave Mortal Kombat at that. Okay. No reason to seek it out, but you know, if you already have HBO Max, why not? Check right. it out. Mortal yeah. Kombat, it sure is a movie. <laughs>
3: it's <laughs> a movie. Glowing endorsement. <laughs> Genre
2: exposure gives it, wow, okay. It's
1: a movie. <laughs> it's a movie. Jason, what have you watched? I watched another 80s film, a sci-fi horror hybrid, that for some reason I just hadn't watched over the years. A forbidden World. Ooh, I know of it. I've never seen it. Yep. Another Roger Corman flick. Uh, another alien ripoff. <laughs> um, another movie using uh, recycled scenes from Battle Beyond the Stars. Nice. And he shot it on the sets of uh, Galaxy of Terror. Mm. Interesting. Which were designed by James Cameron. So it was an awesome looking set. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to get my money's worth and make like three or four movies out of this. A typical Roger Corman. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's his specialty. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, Make one movie for me, and you'll never have to see me again. <laughs> I think was his slogan, his <laughs> right, tagline.
1: Right. Um, and it's fun. I mean, it's your typical '80s schlock, uh, alien ripoff. It's got gore. It's got a mm-hmm. little bit of sleaze. Checking goof, off two alien. of my <laughs> checking yeah. off
2: two of my boxes right there. I'm in.
1: Yeah, it's it's a, it's fun. To watch if you like that sort of thing. Low budget sci fi horror flicks. Cool. Where'd you watch it? Um, It's on Amazon Prime. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yep. Do, do I need to ask? It's on Prime, <laughs> so you don't have to pay for it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I, my biggest complaint about it, though, is the hero. Um, let's see, who's the main guy? Uh, da, 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 da. Jesse Vent, I think is his name. He seems to have had a rousing career. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's just not good in the part. <laughs> he, he's, like, supposed to be this big heroic ladies' man. Like, all the women are fawning all over him and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he's just this craggly, middle-aged... He's like some dude you'd always see out in his lawn, like, drinking beer or something. I mean, he just doesn't... So I mean, he, maybe not the right fit for playing that. He's kind of an anti-hero, so mm-hmm. I get that. Are you talking about
2: him or me? <laughs> what are you talking about?
1: <laughs> well... Um, but he just doesn't really pull it off, so he's one of the weak spots. But you know, again, it's like an it's like an hour eighteen minutes. It's yeah, you're not in. I mean, you're, it's not like you're super yeah. invested in anything. So if you like Schlock, check it out. It's fun. I'm pretty cool. sure this could have been Schlock Exposure
2: too. So <laughs> just as easily, yeah. <laughs> I think we yes. we're all in. It's one of my great weaknesses.
0: How about you, Dustin? What have you been watching? All right, so we always shill something at some point in our episode. So I'm just going to go ahead and do that now. Uh, I watched a film recently called The Day of Destruction, directed by Toshiaki Toyota. And I want to talk about this and mention it because I actually got the opportunity to start writing a little bit for a website covering horror movies, reviews, news articles, that kind of stuff awesome
2: that i thought the name sounded familiar so right that, okay
0: um so it's the grimoire of horror and they have two different imprints the yurei which covers eastern cinema you know japanese korea hong kong all that good stuff and then the banshee which covers more western stuff the usual fare that we watch and i, I don't know man the stuff you bring is never <laughs> never banshee <laughs> <laughs> probably not no um but yeah, they're really cool they're very nice they're very uh they I like working with them because they kind of embody the same spirit that we have about like being positive about this stuff, sharing your love, spreading the word, getting it out there. Awesome. All that good stuff. We so, need more of that. Yeah. Um they're, you know, newer, they're still building up, they're a great place. Go check them out, follow them, and read my review of this film, which will go much more in depth than what I'm about to say. But um Toyota's a great director. He's been around for a long time, and I think if you like transgressive Japanese directors like Sono, like Mike. People like that, he should be in that category with all of them, but I think worldwide he's often overlooked.
2: Hmm. Has Um, he ever done anything like super provocative, though, to get him on the map like Mike has? You know, he has,
0: but I just don't think it's really been seen outside of Japan very much. Gotcha. Okay. Which even now, like, yeah, I think Third Window has a box set of some of his earlier films, and it was like a limited, like, 2,000 copies thing, and it's been out for a few years, and there's still copies of it. Oh. so that tells you like
2: there's really not people just like rushing to get. This well, there stuff. won't be there won't be copies of it now because you just plugged it. And
0: everybody's I, I gonna hope to run so. out. You're getting the word out, man. I hope it sells out for
2: them. All of our all of our crazy followers are going <laughs> to go
0: right there right now <laughs> and buy it. We'll see. I, I've already bought one. I can't buy more. So
1: no, that's not true. <laughs> you can buy as many as you want, Dustin. <laughs> just for the backup copy you know. <laughs> in
0: case you wear that one out. Maybe, maybe. But uh, the Day of Destruction is a very like timely film. I think it uh, came out last year. And originally it was supposed to be kind of about like a thing on consumerism and how the Olympics are going to impact in Japan, Mm -hmm. you know, the Tokyo Olympics. But of course, they've been delayed from the pandemic and the coronavirus and all this craziness. And so amid that setup, he kind of morphed this film into a movie about pandemics and kind of how the coronavirus has impacted the world. Interesting. So um, it starts with this businessman who kind of finds that there's been this monster that's discovered in a mine. And this monster ends up, like, releasing some sort of, like, disease. And it spreads, and it causes this epidemic. And a lot of the film is kind of following these two different monks that train at this temple. And they're hoping, like, through prayer and devotion to find a way to bring about the end of this. Hmm. And it's a little
2: familiar. (laughs) 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 I'll just Uh, leave that there. (laughs) How so? Oh, the fact that, you know, let's not embrace modern science. Let's just pray mm-hmm. it away. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a point that the film
0: really makes. And they even, you know, stated at one point that um, prayer is not enough to end this. Yeah. I mean, it takes more. I think we figured that out here, too. And so. it's got this great, like, very punk rock in your face style. It's very bold. It's also very art house. It's not like, it's very, like, you'll be in one time and then kind of jump to a different time and then flashback earlier. Um, but it's very, very stylish, very impactful, very hard hitting. And it kind of raises a lot of questions about, like, how people, how governments, how everyone has handled this pandemic and the way we treat one another. Interesting. And so I thought it was, you know, very emotionally impactful, very strong visuals. I'm not even going to talk a lot about the plot because it is, like, a a lighter plot. It's more about the mood and the tone, I think. Okay. Cool. Yes. Very interesting. And I know that SRS Cinema is
2: going to put it out on Blu-ray here in America, so... Nice. One to look for. So maybe by the time this episode comes out... Perhaps. It might be. It might be out there somewhere.
1: Is it available anywhere right now for people to watch?
2: Right now, I don't believe so. It played on a few
0: of the like online film festivals that have mm. gone down within the past few years. Okay. That's a bummer. Well, past year, I should say. Yeah, past yeah. year. Dustin just likes to tease. I do. He does. That's his name. Yeah. So Day of Destruction, look for it, seek it out. That's a cool title. Mm. It's like a metal album or something. Then we'll
2: obviously link to the, the U-Ray article that you wrote yes in yes. our stuff yep and, and shame- check them out too and shamelessly plug you show them some love they're great people yeah
1: i checked out the site and i like what i've seen nice
2: i mean would you tell dustin if you didn't
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: well
2: actually dustin i've checked out the work you're doing and i'm honestly gonna say it's kind of lackluster hey i pride myself <laughs> on my brutal honesty all right <laughs> i wish i had time to read it right now i will
1: i promise you will. i will. You will i
2: will find time i will find time to read it
0: Today, we are going to be talking about Promare, and I want to start us right off the bat talking about the name of the film, because <laughs> I need to correct myself from last time. Okay, what did mm-hmm. you say last time? Do I need well, to edit it? It's, it's impossible at this point, but um, I believe that I called the film... That the whole
1: point of what he's doing right yeah. now. Okay.
0: So I, I believe I called the film Promare, because <laughs> I've often heard people call it that, and I think when you look at it and kind of see how you read Japanese names of things, that's something you would jump to, but I've sourced it through, you know, the Japanese version and the English dub. It's actually Promare. Okay, I heard, it. I heard Promare, yeah. Uh-huh. Yep, so big oops on my part,
2: but it's I am okay. correcting it. It's all right. Don't be, don't be so hard on yourself, man. I already knocking some street cred off here, though, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly, I might not be the only noob in the room. Well, this on is anime. a 2019 sci-fi <laughs> mecha
0: anime theatrical film from Studio Trigger, which is much beloved in the anime community. What else have they done? So, um, you're definitely going to know them for Kill La Kill, which the director, Hiroyuki Yamaishi, of this film actually worked on that as well.
2: I definitely know them from that. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, they've also done some other stuff, like Little Witch Academia. Oh, I've heard
2: of that. Yeah, I've heard of
0: that. I've one. heard it. Yeah. God damn it, I did it. <laughs> <laughs> I punched
2: the microphone. See? <laughs> okay. It's not yeah, just me. I've,
0: I don't know if it still is, but that was on Netflix, and I know it made a lot of news because it felt very,
2: like, Harry Potter-ish in I, tone. It didn't... I know this is going to sound cringy, but didn't, like, that hit kind of big with Hot Topic as well? I think so, yeah. Yeah, okay. Not, not, not that there's anything cringy with Hot Topic, but, like... Um, have, they've done some other fun comedies.
0: Dug a uh, hole there. Pretty recently, <laughs> pretty recently they did a show called Gridman, which is actually based on the old Tokusatsu series that we got over here as, I want to say, Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad when people were kind of trying to cash in on the Power Rangers craze. <laughs> I love those
1: titles. That's man. a super that cool
0: title. So crazy. all these years later, that old show now has, like, an anime... T- companion to go with wow. it interesting mm. okay um but trigger is much beloved there are a lot of people who used to work for studio gainix who for a time gainix was a big name you would know uh neon genesis evangelion yeah yes. that's, that's seen... like a titan of the anime world right They're responsible for that um and so a lot of former gainix people kind of came together to
2: make trigger okay very cool so how do we start this conversation because i don't I have questions. <laughs> well, this is our first anime film.
1: Yeah. Right. So I guess the biggest thing, I mean, for those who may not know, may not be familiar, well, what's anime? What is considered anime? Can you distill that? Right. Well, When we say anime, what we're talking about is
0: Japanese animation.
1: Okay.
2: I mean... So that, it's a
0: broad category that covers all of animation from Japan. Mm-hmm. Okay. And within that, you have all the same genres that you would find in any other kind of medium, horror, drama, sci-fi, action,
2: the whole nine yards. Cool. I think that's good to note because sometimes anime is hard to to pin down mm-hmm. and like.
1: Well, a lot of people when you say anime, a lot of people are like, "Oh, that's like nerd stuff." You know, it's mm-hmm. just like Robotech. It's about people who have big body pillows with anime characters on them. And <laughs> yeah, stuff like
0: yeah. That. That's what, what's wrong with that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say anything was
2: wrong with it. <laughs> I think that though anime is hard to talk about sometimes without that stigma, mm-hmm. because I agree it's become uh, it, it, and I will be brutally honest with this that's hard for me sometimes because i have trouble getting past that Mm -hmm. Uh that already stigma of what anime is and like what some of the but it's it's no different than what any fandom will do right sure any fandom will take something to an extreme and that's what gets shown you know like Uh star wars fans most of us are middle of the road people about yeah it's Star Wars we like it it's cool right. but then there are those who will start internet fights and bully people off the internet over Star Wars right. you know it's no different just because it's anime mm-hmm. you'll still have the the same right right level of but that's I think that kind of gets highlighted a little bit more with anime mm-hmm. maybe from somebody like me who's not
1: well, it can be very inaccessible for those who aren't you know into the genre yeah yeah I,
2: that's very true there's a lot of like tropes and stylistic things
0: that kind of get repeated through them. That if you haven't encountered that already, it can be a bit of
1: a wall to push past, Mm. I think. Is there a movie that's considered the first anime? Oh, that's going to go real far back. Yeah. I'm not 100%. Like Walt Disney type stuff, like back in the 30s or 40s? I know a lot of the the
0: earliest stuff would be like stuff that uh, was made out of like the works of Osamu
2: Tezuka, like Astro Boy. Okay.
1: That's 60s? It's pretty
2: early. Earlier, okay. Cool. All right. So I think one of my biggest things with anime too is it's a hard genre to jump into because there's so much, right? And so, and there, and it's varies so much too of stylistically. Mm-hmm. It's really hard just to pick an anime to watch. And we had this conversation between us where I will see something like flash by me on Netflix, and you're like, and, "Hey, is this?" And I'm like, "Hey, Dustin, I, is this care? any good? Yeah. Like, is this?" <laughs> because you know what I like, mm-hmm. so it's easier for you to say well, I know you like this, so I can recommend this. And, mm-hmm. and that's an easier way for me to jump on. Um, but it's a lot harder when somebody else is, doesn't have a Dustin in their life <laughs> that they can just jump into. Everyone
1: should have a Dustin. Right, I kind life. of
2: bridge the gap for you guys, I guess, on like getting at that stuff. I think you
0: definitely do, yeah. Um, so I will talk a little bit, I guess, about mecha as a subgenre because we see this a ton in anime more than in a lot of like American films or things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're dealing with giant robots... Very, you know, sci fi concept. And for a lot of the anime fandom, I think uh, people that are really into mecha kind of divide it up into two types that they talk about real robots and super robots. Okay, what's the difference? So, to chart that out for you, super robots come from like the earliest days of anime. Many of the first mecha shows were of this style. It usually involves a giant robot with abilities that are, I would say, lightly explained, and often it borders on like magic or super science that doesn't make sense. And their opponents will often be, like, giant monsters, kaiju, or the giant robots made by, like, a mad scientist or a crazy
1: inventor. Okay. Is it, like, Ultraman-type stuff? That's um, you
0: No, know, Ultraman's really more of, like, the tokusatsu-kaiju oh, okay. thing. But, okay. like, the first example of this would be Tetsujin 28,
2: which we have over here as Gigantor. It okay. was actually, oh, yeah, like, localized. Sure. I watched a lot of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was always on when I had to get up for work at like four in the morning. <laughs> I used to <laughs> yeah, watch I it in totally college
1: because they would play it on the sci-fi channel. That, it was like that in Transformers. We'd watch it every day before class. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. um, there's other ones like Mazinger Z is really big. Getter Robo. Um, anything where it's like one robot and it's fighting this wave of like monsters or aliens or anything like that. They're very sci-fi, very often lighthearted, but not always. Mm-hmm. The real robot type of thing has to do where the mecha presented are carried more like they are war machines or a practical part of that world. And they will have some kind of logical explanation for their existence within the context of the story. Pacific rim mm. Right. I would say Pacific Rim, it kind of straddles both. Okay. Which course, I will, I will actually talk mixing, about. I just
1: realized we're mixing live action with anime too. Mm-hmm. That's true. Because yeah. Ultraman was live action. Right. So it's Pacific Rim. Um, and well, that's... it's cool how those tropes can just go from one, you know, medium to the other the big example of the what we're talking when we talk about like real robots quote-unquote
0: would be gundam okay um you know the mobile suits of gundam are just the replacement for tanks and jets at this point where they're mass-produced every military has them and there might be special ones like the gundam but in general they're just a you know tool of war the
2: same way a tank would be considered and the only thing that like i really know about gundam and stuff is literally just that my brother-in-law collects them and builds them mm-hmm. so that's they always look super cool oh yeah but as far as like knowing much about the anime itself mm-hmm. i'm lost and then macross is another good example which we had over here as
0: robotech that was localized a lot of people are going to yeah. know that more which that was you know, the like fighter jets that can become a giant robot mm-hmm. i mean there's nothing not cool about that no And these days, in more modern shows, there's definitely a bigger push to kind of, like, blend elements together where there's, like, bits and pieces of each. Like, Evangelion, the robots are, you know, these huge titanic things that could never exist, and they're fighting these, you know, alien-like creatures. But the way it's presented in the story, it's very grounded, and they have a reason for everything and why they exist. And I think that Pacific Rim is the same way. Like, stylistically, it's these big robots fighting, you know, giant monsters from another dimension, But the way they present it is very grounded, and they you know detail out the drift technology and all this stuff that would make it work.
2: Right, and they spend a lot of time to try to make you feel that you don't have to suspend disbelief as much for that. You're like, well, of course we build giant robots, and so it kind of blends the two styles together
0: a little bit. Cool. Okay. So that's just a little background on the mecha genre, um, just to sort of ground us a bit.
2: Okay. So now I. I have so many questions. Haven't I haven't even gotten to the movie yet. I know, I just have so many questions. This is what I was worried about. Okay, continue on. Yes. I'll, I'll, I'll interject my
1: questions as they seem. Save all questions till the end of the... Okay. Um, I'll
2: give you a little more background just before
0: we dive into the film. So, like we said, it's produced by Studio Trigger and X-Flag, directed by Hiroyuki Yamaishi, which would best be known for Kill La Kill, which he made for Trigger, or Gurren Lagann, which was a mecha series he made at Gainix. Okay. Um, he is very known for sort of a fast, frantic animation style and storytelling. <laughs> oh, boy. Which I think <laughs> for sure Promare. you're yeah. going to see it in Promare, yes. <laughs> uh, the writer was Kazuki Nakashima, and he actually worked on Gurren Lagann and Kill la Kill with Amaishi, So this is kind of like old hat crew coming back together to make something. That's cool. Yeah, It definitely felt polished. It felt like studio... Full of people that knew what they were doing. Oh, yeah. That's for sure. And that's kind of the appeal of Triggers. They're all kind of veterans from other studios. And so it's people that are really in this world and really talented. And they've just come together out of this love for making anime. Sure. I, and get I that. think that carries through in a lot of their works. Mm-hmm. As much as I didn't understand a goddamn thing I watched, <laughs> I definitely got that vibe. Um, for so sure. The film does use a lot of 3D CG. And a lot of that was handled by Sanzi Gang. And the technique they use is actually an animation technique that's been used in some newer films like the Lego movie or Into the Spider-Verse. I saw a shit ton of Into the Spider-Verse in this. And stylistically, it's where it's this thing where it is animated, but because of the way they're animating it, they can kind of move a camera as if it were a film. And I think it gives it a lot of style and visual flair. The
1: technique itself is very cool. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, when I was when I was watching this, I I did notice a lot of that. and But I, I'm sure that Into the Spider-Verse was not... Like, the first thing to do it. Yeah. I knew that for sure. But that, I think, is why you made a good choice on this as one to show, because it felt a little more familiar for me.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And technical merit-wise, like, if you're deep into anime, you're going to know that there's a lot of jokes about shows that use terrible CG. And this, because it does have the budget of a theatrical film, they were really able to kind of bridge that gap, I think, where they use CG, but it never kind of pulls you out at all.
2: Yeah, I mean, it all felt like it was part of the artistic choice. hmm There was never a sense of this film that I thought was, like, well, that's budgetary reasons. It Mm -hmm. all seemed like it was part of what they wanted to do. I thought it was a good blending of styles. Um, The music
0: is another thing. It's composed by Hiroyuki Sawano, who's a veteran composer who's worked on a lot of animes. I love him because he's worked on a lot of Gundam stuff recently. Gundam Unicorn, Gundam Narrative. And there's something about his compositions. I really love the feel to all
2: the music he makes. The music was cool. Yeah, music was there was some good, like, kind of, I don't know, there was some good 80s sound and stuff happening <laughs> yeah. in there, like some 80s rock that I was really digging. And he does a good thing with, like, he'll have these big orchestral moments, but then also it's
0: cool to have, like, some more, like, synthy digital sound going on at the same time. Yeah, and it fit. Mm-hmm. I think it very much fit the movie. Um, there's two little prequel shorts that got made, Side Gallo and Side Leo, that are sort of prologues about some of the main protagonists in the film. Uh, they're not essential, but they're cool. It's a good thing to check out if you enjoy the movie just to see more of it. Let's go back and watch those. Um, and then just a little stats about the film. In its opening weekend, it debuted at number 8 in Japanese box offices, and it grossed 41.4 million yen over its first three days. Um, Is that unusual for an anime film? It did well. Um, it went on to end up grossing 1.5 billion yen, which would be about 13.8 million for us. And it was the twenty-third highest grossing Japanese film in general
2: of twenty nineteen. Oh,
3: well, that's cool.
2: not uh, I guess that's not bad for an animated film if you consider put it in Hollywood box office mm-hmm. terms, like I mean outside of Disney and right. their massive they're empire, Titanic. You know, yeah, they're well, gonna destroy that, but still. What I
1: love about Japan is the fact that anime films they're not treated differently from other movies. Oh no. You know, it's not yeah. it's not for kids. Right. And it's it's accepted and it's not looked down upon. Uh, at least that, from what I've seen this way.
0: And it is. did have a limited showing in the United States and Canada. I believe it was like a Fathom Events kind of deal, like limited screening, sure. pre-order that, the tickets. Yeah. And it grossed a little over $2 million here with that, which is, for a Fathom Event, pretty good, I yeah, would say. I
2: honestly grossed. think I might remember seeing one of the Fathom Event things. Now, what's this
1: movie theater you talk about? Mm. <laughs> it sounds vaguely familiar to me, but I don't... I don't Those know. were once a thing, yeah. long, ago. The they, long ago. They're the no time. more. They're no more. Hmm. Don't say that.
3: well right now they are hey
1: you're talking to a guy who thought movie theaters died when they stopped showing you know actual film film Film. yeah 35 millimeter film so
2: let's go ahead and make a pitch right now (laughs) if you want to save the movie theaters give me more comfortable seats and give me good screens and give me good speakers update update your shit that would all be nice
1: (laughs) turn the bulb up so you can actually see the picture yeah i will just say
2: that update your shit make it worth watching in the theater yeah not. Also,
1: maybe make movies that are worth going to see in the that's theaters. That's true. That's true.
2: Ooh. Hey, hey, come don't,
1: at me. Come shade. At me. The, best, the best stuff is indie, low-budget stuff right now that's not playing in the theaters. I
2: mean, Dustin killed the podcast during Dead and Buried when he threw out his big political statements about censorship. So, we'll see if we just killed the podcast, if it survived Dustin's political
0: statement. So, let me hit you with the synopsis. 30 years ago, a new race of flame-wielding mutants suddenly appeared, destroying a large portion of humanity... These so-called Burnish have continued to appear at random, leaving a trail of death and destruction in their wake. The Autonomous Republic of Promopolis is a thriving nation thanks to the incredible efforts of their leader, Cray Foresight. A team of firefighters known as the Burning Rescue is tasked with stopping these horrifying creatures using the most existent technology available. Thymos is an energetic young man who considers Foresight his hero for saving his life and is the rescue team's newest recruit. Opposing them as a terrorist group called Mad Burnish that has been causing havoc all over the nation. After an encounter with Mad Burnish's leader, Leo Fotia, Gallo sets out on a fated quest to find the truth about these, cre- these entities, ultimately leading him to question everything that he previously held to be true. I probably
2: should have read that synopsis before I watched the movie and then I maybe have understood it a little
3: more. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: how
1: come you had a problem with the movie. You had a problem understanding it. I didn't,
2: yeah, that's, I mean, that's what I was nervous about because I don't feel like I understood a lot of it. How come? True to a Maishi
0: style, it definitely throws you immediately into things.
2: I, so even at the
0: opening scene mm-hmm.
2: where the, all the shit goes down, you know, I'm right, so like, the,
0: the big blow up where all the burnish first appear.
2: Now I do, so I guess if we consider that the opening scene, I've almost considered that the credits. Mm-hmm. Um like, that that was super cool. It was almost prologue like... prologue showing everyone. Yeah, right? like, there's people on a train just, like, right. exploding.
0: I love it because each situation, it's one of those moments where you know, like, your, your anger and your stress just builds up and builds up and builds
2: up, and you feel like you're going to explode, but in this moment,
0: it literally happens. Yeah.
2: That was super... I mean, that was really cool. I, I thought that might have been the direction that the whole movie was going to go. Mm. Didn't. But, <laughs> um, but, yeah, then we get to the, I guess, where our main hero is, and, you know... He's the hot shot. Like he's the
0: typical super robot protagonist where he's this hot headed youth. That's like bold and determined and stands up for what's right. Yeah. Loud mouth, kind of stupid, but very like kind hearted. I would
1: say poses a lot and have these great superfluous speeches and things like that.
2: Yeah. yeah I mean, he has a burning firefighter soul. He does. He does. Uh, now, so, I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: No, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I was just going to say, there is a bit of parody in this, is there not?
3: Yes, for okay. sure.
0: It's okay. meant to be like uh, kind of poking fun at like the tropes of the mecha genre,
2: I would say. Right. Okay. That helps me as well, because I don't know that much about the mecha genre. I don't know that much about anime, period. Because so, even as
0: like a storyline, I don't think there's anything that's super original- or like groundbreaking with the idea of this or the story, it's really taking a lot of like the common tropes that you see and just like resequencing them in a very stylish presentation. Maybe that's where I got lost, is because I kept looking for something deeper than than maybe wasn't there. I think there is some deeper stuff there, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. When okay, we talk about this more. Um, so yeah, in the opening, you've got this great action set piece. Uh, immediately, there's an attack going on by Mad Burnish and Burning Rescue is deployed to stop them. And you see that they have, it's this great blending of, like, firefighting that you would normally see mixed with, like, giant robot craziness. They all have these mech suits with specific tools that are designed to fight fires, whether that's, like, water cannons or bullets that freeze things. Yeah, the bullets that freeze things are pretty cool. Mm. We need to develop
1: these in real life to give to firefighters because that would just be that would too, be awesome. Cool. <laughs> I don't know, man. And, you know, they don't get a lot of... I don't know if we want some of those guys using that. (laughs) (laughs) So a couple of my
2: friends that are firefighters, they'd be like, hell yeah, i get that. (laughs) I'd be like, I don't know if you should have that, man. And they don't
0: get a lot of uh, attention paid to them, but, um, because really, it's, uh, what, it's over two hours, I think, the film, just about. And a lot of it really only focuses on a few characters, but there's a ton of people in it. So, like, we learn a lot about Gallo, but a lot of his crew and Burning Rescue, they're more of just background characters. They're each interesting, but they're kind of just like a... A trope of a character.
1: Yeah, I find that a little distracting. because you think so? I, I did, because it feels like these characters should be more important than they mm-hmm. actually are. Uh, and maybe that's also part of the point. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't know if that was part of the kind of gentle ribbing it was giving anime. Like, mm-hmm. there's just always this squad. There's always this right. group of people with all these different talents and stuff. And we kind of see them, but we don't really get to know them. I thought maybe that was sort of a meta joke in a way. Mm-hmm. I also thought perhaps they were being um, set up to die at some point (laughs) to fuel, you know, his revenge and things like that. I was glad that didn't happen.
0: Well, see, Trigger actually kind of has a trademark thing of, like, in a lot of their shows, late in the show, there'll be, like, a dramatic death of a character that kind of pushes the final act. That's exactly what I was expecting. And I was actually surprised that they didn't do that, and I wonder if that was them sort of playing... (laughs) <laughs> with was, the expectations that their fans had. It was definitely
1: have. them subverting your expectations, mm-hmm. I think. If they killed that goddamn mouse, I was turning it off, though. <laughs> oh, yeah, but, I uh, wanted more of the mouse. Vinny, I know. Yeah.
2: There's a tiny little mouse that hangs out with the the tech girl. Mm-hmm. And that's a trope of
0: a lot of Super Robot shows, is they would have a mascot animal that was kind of like a goofy little creature that would hang out with them. Yeah. Well, he was cute, and I liked him. <laughs> Voltron had mice, right? Yeah, Voltron yeah. had mice. Um, but yeah, the team, so it was like, you've got like, the really cool, awesome leader guy. You've got like a strong guy, a smart guy the cute girl that does all their technology and stuff. And they don't get a lot of development, but they're they're kind of just one-note people that are cool and just serve a role in
2: the story. And let's not forget the gruff captain. It's mm-hmm. always telling him to stand down. <laughs> you can't handle this fire. Stand <laughs> down. And then, of course, Ina. She gets
0: probably the most development of any of the crew. She, right. she flies the support plane and kind
2: of has a thing with Gallo going on. Mm-hmm. She gets a little bit more focus. It almost bothers me a little bit. That she—the only reason she gets to focus is because she's got a love interest with the main.
0: Well, also her sister is very relevant to the story. I True. think that's the other angle on her. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I don't know.
1: That was a big, uh, the beginning you're talking about because they're introducing all these characters mm-hmm. and it has their names flashing on the screen. Right, it does like the that. big stylish like giant signboard names of people. Right, out. and I think I was a little distracted because I was trying to, okay, this is who this, per- I thought they were going to be more important. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of trying to remember their names and their roles and stuff.
0: And the big name signs, that's another studio trigger like oh, okay. classic that they do.
1: Okay, it, it kind of took me out of the movie a little bit. Mm-hmm. I know it's supposed to because it's obviously a device, right? you know. Um, but it made me direct my focus on this group that I thought was going to be more important. So I don't know. I think maybe you had the same problem maybe I did, Michael, about being able to follow everything. Plus, I'm also old. And this movie <laughs> is very kinetic and very, very kinetic. fast. It's, it's insane.
2: Yeah, when I messaged you, I messaged Jason um, outside of our normal little text group. And I was like, hey, I need help. And he was like, what's going on? I was like, I need you to explain Promare to me so I don't sound like an absolute idiot when we go to record this podcast. So I had to make
1: sure he wasn't having a seizure first.
2: And you actually asked me, you said, did you take Dramamine before watching it? <laughs> and I was like, no, and I think I should have. It's, it's technically marvelous. It's, visually, it's a spectacle. Right.
0: But
1: it doesn't let up. Mm-hmm.
0: right they hit the gas and they never stop the well, whole there way. are moments
1: of calm eventually there
2: like, are eventually but, but for the first 30 45 yeah,
0: minutes or so
1: yeah.
2: it's like I'm sitting there like oh I don't know if I can handle two hours of this, <laughs> like, this is, there's a lot going on and if this wakes that baby fuck you Dustin <laughs> <laughs> but it was but it's enjoyable to watch mm-hmm. so I think what I my problem was is I didn't just let it be
3: mm-hmm.
2: I didn't just watch it to watch it you know I'm kind of still digging for something, even within those first kinetic 30, 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. I'm looking for something there that's not quite there yet.
1: Right. I can Th- see that. That's just a battle. You're probably mm-hmm. supposed to let it wash over you, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, don't fight it. Just go with it. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so during that battle, he clashes with um,
0: Leo Fotia, who is mm-hmm. the leader of Mad Burnish, who's kind of the head of this terrorist group that's fighting on behalf of the Burnish. Yeah. And they look all evil and angular. and mm-hmm. Very dark. cool designs. Yeah. Um, and surprisingly, even though the film kind of sets up like he's the main bad guy or something, Gallo overcomes him right out of the gate and he gets arrested. And that kind of brings us
2: into our first like calmer passage of the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, I almost had to ask myself if it was a simulation, mm-hmm. like if they were running oh, like a simulation right. danger room or something <laughs> yeah, like that, because it just, they got him and I was like, what? <laughs> okay. <laughs> but then it sets up the true plot of the film. Mm-hmm. So right. I get that, but yeah.
0: And I think that's where we, when it goes into it and you start to learn about Cray, who is the kind of like leader of the city, uh, Gallo's role model, um, and the setup of Promopolis and what's going on. The easiest way I can think to describe it is everything with the burnish. It's very much like the same metaphor you get in the X-Men comics, where it's kind of a stand-in for racism, I think.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, that was definitely not thinly veiled, so Mm -hmm. I got that for sure.
0: And it really hits, I think, there's the scene where they're at the pizza parlor, And it's like, they set up, you know, everybody loves this place, the pizzas are always perfect every time, and then the next thing you know, this sort of, like, militaristic group called the Freeze Force shows up to apprehend one of the cooks, because it turns out he's a burnish. And, you know, Gallo questions it, where it's like, well, he's not doing anything bad, he's not hurting anyone, he's just cooking pizzas. Right, right. And they're it, like, no, he's a he's a threat to society. Yeah, it's only a matter of time before he does something. And you can see in the other patrons that are there, the second this comes out, they're like, oh, we were eating pizza made by a burnish? Like, what? <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, that was... Thankfully, I did get that reference. Mm-hmm. I was good with that. That uh-huh. was... That uh-huh.
1: was. That's <laughs> not subtle. No, those were good. <laughs> the...
2: yeah. That's kind of what I needed in this movie. I needed not not subtle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm struggling, guys. I'm struggling here.
0: Um... And so, following from there, uh, Leo stages a break out of prison. It was all his plan all along to sort of rescue all the burnish that had been captured. Because you find out that the burnish had been captured for a specific reason.
1: Mm
3: -hmm.
0: Yeah, you learn that uh, Kray is kind of experimenting on them and up to something
1: nefarious behind the scenes. But you're also skipping about cool and fabulous Leo looks.
2: Oh, yeah. (laughs) He's a cool guy. His style is awesome. That was you in high school, wasn't it? I wish. <laughs> yeah, the, <laughs> the all black with the ruffled Yeah, collar. that kind of neo-gothic look. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. I, then that's a trope pretty much too,
0: right? Mm-hmm. So. It's often you have like, you know, Gallo is like the very like straightforward hero and Leo is more of that anti-hero kind of character that seems like they would be the villain. Right. But really they have a good
2: cause underneath it all. Right. And I think where I got lost, like really, really got lost... I mean, I was already, like, kind of wandering through the woods <laughs> through a lot of this. But at least I could, like, see some horizon or you, you something. You threw Michael
1: into the deep end of the pool, apparently. <laughs>
2: not the brightest one of the podcast. Oh, that's and we sure. all know this. It was, I think when I really got lost is when they started tag-teaming together. Mm-hmm. Because that became super, even more kinetic than the opening mm-hmm. of the mm-hmm. film. And there became a lot of the screaming battle cries. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is all, like, super robot kind of thing tropes, where they shout the names of their attacks and things like that.
2: It just seems like if the other guy studied it, though, and then they shout the name of their attack, they're like, oh, yeah, well, he's doing super uppercut left-hand punch side, so I'm just going to step to the right, and then, boom, the movie's over. That's definitely one of those things, like, you shouldn't think about it. Okay. You should just, like, be like, hey, this is cool, and roll with it. All right, okay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and I don't want to spoil, I guess, all of the plot, but, um, so, yeah, you know, Leo escapes... Gallo and him have another encounter where the, he actually witnesses one of the Burnish dying as a result of being experimented on. And you get this scene where Leo kind of tries to do this mouth-to-mouth thing where he passes sort of his flame to her to try to resuscitate her. But in the end, she perishes.
1: Mm. It turns into ash and mm. just floats away. That's
0: and that, that, like, cool that hits home that point again because Leo says to him, like, hey, we're just like you. We're just like any other human. We live. We die. Mm. We go through the whole range of things. We're, that's, d- we're not these like monsters that I really did like that betrayed. scene
1: in the cave mm-hmm. that that scene was super cool and that's one of the moments where it slows down a bit you mm-hmm. know and it does some character development and shows you this world I think it's what I needed I think that's what I needed, <laughs> I you what I needed. It, yeah. yeah you gotta take a break and
0: that's that, one right, of the spots way. too where they show like the, how good they use the music to like give you the mood and the tone of things because there's this really somber song that plays in that part and I think that really like punches up and sells that moment mm-hmm. I don't remember it I
1: don't <laughs> <laughs> well, you were, like, assaulted by this movie, so... I was. I was. <laughs> you probably blocked some of it out. But let me say this,
2: though. Because Dustin brought this to the movie club, it got me asking about more anime.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the point, right? Yeah,
2: it got me asking about, Broaden like, you know, maybe this wasn't fully my thing. Right. But here's what I liked about it. Here's what I didn't like about it. Mm-hmm. So make me a recommendation, movie store guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So And that was kind of my thought, because I was like, I didn't know if you guys
0: would dig this or not, but I I felt there was so much stylistically that was good about it, you would at least appreciate that, if nothing else. I definitely could. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You I definitely have to appreciate the style.
2: Watching this was, it's an experience of its own, you know, visually, sonically, I mm-hmm. guess. I Unfortunately, I didn't have this cranked up because the baby was sleeping, but
1: like... <laughs> I should have. Headphones are for man.
2: Uh, yeah, but it she starts screaming, and then my yeah, wife comes in. Yeah, we had cranked, and it was
1: pretty pretty impressive. Yeah, it was. Yeah, you it was know, thumping.
2: wife comes in, and she's like, what are you doing? The baby's crying. I'm like, I'm watching anime, woman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, time for babies. Like, I know the baby's
1: crying, why so I'm wearing these headphones, Dan. <laughs> so right. Why do you think I put these on?
2: <laughs> um. So,
0: yeah, um. this encounter, though, for Gallo, it kind of leads him to question, like, well, why are we so on about the Burnish and, like, trying to capture them and stop them and stuff? And why are they a problem, really, if they're just, like, normal people still? Which brings him to question, Cray, which kind of gets us into the real story of what's going on, mm-hmm. as he reveals that uh, since this burnish phenomenon started, there's been all these weird activities going on with the Earth, and eventually there's going to be this kind of big volcanic eruption that's just going to wipe the planet.
2: And so you had said before we watched this one, when you were justifying it to us outside of the podcast or whatever, mm-hmm. which is not something we do, we don't justify movies to justify them. I was just ranting like I always do. Yeah, it's cool and that it's all good. <laughs> we love your rants. Yeah, it's especially when we get you on really mad rants because that doesn't happen often. <laughs> but when we do, <laughs>
1: goddamn, it's great. Whew.
2: But you were even saying like you felt this one had a lot to say about. You know, modern political society. Mm. I don't some... think
0: that they intentionally were trying to, like, point at something and say, hey. that shares up nicely. I think just in telling the story they were telling, it syncs up very well. Because if you look at Cray as a character, he's this big, larger-than-life personality that everyone loves. Everything he does, he's like, I'm for the people. I'm trying to save everyone. He's a genius inventor. He's a great person. He's nice. Everyone loves him. But when you get into it and learn the truth... Mm-hmm. He's actually doing these terrible experiments on the Burnish. He knows that the earth is going to be destroyed. His solution is, I'm going to make a big ship, like a new Noah's Ark. It's going to take all, you know, take
2: me, take these approved people. It's like a thousand people he's taking. Uh, you know, kind it. of the, the elite of the earth. Actually, something I did, I think it's 10,000 people. Um, and the reason that I thought that was interesting is because that's actually uh, Jehovah's Witness. Oh, thing I oh. think there's like a 10,000... So um, crazy,
1: Joe this is what you're saying. Well, I'm,
2: I'm <laughs> not sure that it's like... But uh, that hit me, because mm. I'm pretty sure he said 10,000 people, and I was like, interesting. But it's definitely that idea of like the special elect. Yeah, the like ones you saved. were deemed worthy, mm. that are that you were saying. Um,
0: but he's going to pack them onto this ship, and using the Burnish as a catalyst, teleport to another planet that they've discovered that can support life. What a jerk. And start things all anew. And you know, if I don't want to get too into the weeds on American politics, but... This idea of, like, you know, the elite that are looking out for themselves or just disregarding the common people. That's not even just
1: American politics. That's all politics. No, I think that's global. Yeah, oh, I'm sure they feel that way in Japan, too.
2: <laughs> and maybe it's not as forefront in other countries as it is mm-hmm. here in the States, because here in the States we have everybody shining the light on everything. Right. So, but I, I looked at a lot of this, too, uh, through the lens of immigration. Mm-hmm. Um that I'm not entirely sure that's what they were trying to say, but it, a good story can tell you a lot of different things, but like, right. And it can lead you to pull out things too. What made me think that was like when they're eating at the pizza place and mm-hmm. they come in and arrest him. And he's like, imagine if you were eating at your favorite establishment and then there's a raid and they're right. like, well, these people are here illegally and you're, and then I've seen people do that. Mm-hmm. Sure. I've seen people go, oh, how did they, I can't eat there ever again. And you're like, but you just sat there five seconds yeah. ago talking about how great this was. Right. even though these
1: people have been here for years. And, and you, and you love the place and you went there all the time. Yeah, and they you, work hard and they're part of society. Yeah, and you've
2: <laughs> known them, like you know their names. You've yeah. been there so long, but now you hate them because yeah. it was very, Yeah, I think you can easily draw some distinctions and stuff from that too that's a good connection to make I'm not sure that's the connection that would be in Japanese society Mm -hmm. because I don't know enough about like Japanese immigration or anything like that but especially as
0: obsessed as I am with Japan and like all the stuff I know I don't think I'm the right person to like get into that to explain it sure
2: well that's not our culture so it'd be but yeah I mean I thought that hit me here for the United States I thought it was easily to see and you'd also think about what our country's history has done to minorities Mm mm-hmm In
1: terms of, quote, science. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. The Burners stand in for anyone who's been oppressed, for any group marginalized, for whatever reason. Yep. That's why it works so well.
2: Uh, Yeah. I think that that was definitely one of the things that kept me through the movie, though. Mm -hmm. Like, that I could at least connect with that. I'm not fully understanding all of the hyperkinetic things that are going on
0: (laughs) otherwise. Hyperkinetic.
1: That's a good way to describe it.
0: Um. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so when Gallo confronts him about this, you know, he's told what's going on, and he's kind of like, you know, I'm doing this to save the world, and immediately Gallo rejects it, and he has that typical, I would say, like, anime hero response, where it's like, well, uh, you know, if you know this is a problem, then just go fix it. Right. Find the answer, and he's like, well, I I can't
2: find the answer. But it's not that he can't, it's more that he won't find the answer. Mm -hmm. Right, like, finding the answer is going to be harder than... Mm -hmm. What we can do this. Like, let's just exploit these people, and then we get the answer we need.
0: And unfortunately, it all comes at the hands of Harris, who is Ina's sister. She's a scientist that works for Cray, And it's very much like, you can tell her heart's not in it, but Cray has promised to let Ina be one of the people on the ship. Right. So she's kind of doing it for the sake of her sister to protect her.
3: Hmm.
2: Yeah, which doesn't necessarily still make her a great character though. No. <laughs>
0: it makes her understandable. Yeah, you can and relate was, to yeah. Her. yeah,
2: you can slightly relate to her. Yeah.
0: There's plenty of people I'm sure that have been in that kind of situation. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Doubtless. Yeah. Um so Gallo gets imprisoned, he kind of goes missing. No one knows where he is. And eventually they sort of ramp up their plans and they send out Freeze Force to apprehend
1: Leo and all of the burnish they are left. Man, free, Freeze Force enjoys their job way too much. They're way too zealous. Yeah. <laughs> if you got to drive that cool shit, though, you would, too. Mm, I don't
3: know. And Who again, would? I don't
0: know if it's intentional, but I definitely got a, like, raw American military vibe out oh, of the Freeze definitely. Force. De- yeah. yeah. <laughs> Especially with the big, like, fuck you Humvees they're riding around
1: They don't care about collateral damage at all.
2: That was my thing. Like, you guys don't need to worry about the burnish. You need to be worried about this building (laughs) you just destroyed in order to stop
1: two guys that really weren't doing that much to begin with. Your solution is way worse than the problem.
2: Yeah. Which, that's a trope in itself. I mean, look at, you know, superhero films and all that stuff. How Mm -hmm. much gets destroyed in the sake of saving the world. And they rarely,
0: like, address that, even.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We just, now, we've started to get some (laughs) stuff about addressing... (laughs)
0: <laughs> um so yeah the freeze force round up all the burnish and they shoot leo with this special like absolute zero freezing bullet intending to leave him to die but it brings him to kind of like the peak of his anger and he's ab- able to even like burn out of that and there's this awesome it's one of my favorite sequences in the film where he kind of like draws up the magma from this volcano and he transforms into this like fire dragon yeah that was pretty cool that's a great scene and he heads to Promopolis and just starts rampaging
2: through the city, demanding Cray to, like, give him everyone back. Although there's a major missed opportunity there. Like, yeah, I, I get that the score was great, but how do you not have Blue Easter Cult on Burning For You playing <laughs> while he's doing that? <laughs> I mean, maybe it was just rights issues, and
0: they're like, we can't afford Blue Oyster Cult. <laughs> I don't know. The The anime community has a long history of like, fan-made music videos where they take clips and set them to songs, so maybe... Somebody, somebody do done. that. Someone should do that. If,
2: if, if it's not out there, yeah. somebody please do that. Maybe I'd understand that a little bit
0: better. A
1: techno version of it or something. No, don't
2: ruin it. Give me Blue Oyster Cult, just unadulterated. <laughs> um,
0: but during the rampage, Gallo ends up freed because it, the building gets damaged. And linking back up with Ina, he kind of manages to subdue Leo... And he plans to take him to this lake where he, it's kind of his like chill out spot where he goes to think. And when they get there, they they get this very like out of the blue moment that's, uh, maybe it's a little hard to swallow with this film, but it's very in line with like classic super robot anime where it's like, surprise, they found a secret lab. Sure, sure. Yeah. And there's this brilliant scientist who's going to explain everything, Dr. <laughs> Prometh. Well, they even make fun of this part. Mm-hmm. Continue. (laughs) (laughs) And so uh, Prometh lets him into their lab, and he's actually dead, but he has restored his consciousness in a computer that could activate when someone arrived. And the part you're talking about, Uh that they really make fun of this kind of trope in anime, is they're like, wow, like, how did you know we were coming?
1: And he's like, I didn't, you just happened to show up. (laughs) Right. And he happened to build a robot. Mm -hmm. Right. And the name of the robot, Dave's Ex Machina.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And so we learn the truth is that once Cray was kind of one of his understudies and Dr. Prometh is the one who made all this like freezing technology and all this stuff to do with the burnish because he knows the truth of things and that there's these interdimensional creatures called the Promare, the title of the film. And during an incident in the past, they kind of linked up with our universe for a second and it caused them to like bond with certain people. You just called it Promari, just so you know. But-
1: <laughs> it's hard to overcome. <laughs> I think you mean promare. Yeah. Okay. Listen, uh, I don't want to tag me. On I me. don't want to take the high
2: ground here. <laughs> but it's
0: promare, sir. Right. So the promare sync up with people, and that's what's created this burnish phenomenon where they can manifest and control flames. Right. I didn't need that part. You
2: don't think so? You didn't need that part? No. I really. I don't know. That was almost more of let's explain it away. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, it also kind of helps to explain what's happening, you know, in the Earth. Why, right? Yeah, why yeah. the Earth is going off. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just figured it was a global
0: warming thing. No. No, it's because of their presence, and it's, like, influencing the way the
2: Earth is working. But, like, couldn't it have just been a global warming thing?
0: Like, I think you
1: can still read it that way. That's how I read
3: yeah,
2: it. You could mm-hmm. read it that way. So I didn't need, necessarily, the alien race thing.
0: And we learned that, like, what Cray has done, he's killed Dr. Prometh and taken his technologies... But the main thing, the the Promotech engine is incomplete, and Promus idea was it would be this thing that would kind of like burn off the energy of the Burnish, and then send the Promare, Promare, oh my god, (laughs) fuck. There's a lot of editing (laughs) going on here. No, (laughs) don't touch a thing. Don't touch a thing. All right, so, to burn off all the energy of the Promare, and then like send them back to their universe... Um, And we get a great video where you actually see Kray's betrayal of him and he shoots him in the back. Yeah. And that's the other end of the equation that maybe is not their intention, but I definitely got um, later in the film when they confront him, Aina broadcasts the video. And Mm -hmm. the second he sees it, Kray's immediate response is like, oh, that's been doctored. That's fake. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yep. And, I, you know, I don't want to make any statements, but how long have we been on this, like, fake news train yeah. the last few years? <laughs> that was the first thing I yep. thought of when I
1: saw this. I mean... That had to be intentional, though, because this came out in 2019, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that's that's intentional offense. <laughs> it's got to be.
2: I'm not sure how long it was in production before that, but mm-hmm. still. I mean, even if we look past the elephant in the room of that one that we're talking about, there's still... That's other politicians as well. Oh, sure. Yeah. Just became...
1: Anything right. you don't like, you just say it's fake. And yeah.
0: So the the truth that we get out of this is that, you know, he's everything he's done has been stolen from other people. He's, you know, killed, he's lied, he's cheated, everything he can just to, like, have this power and hang on to it. Okay, now that's pretty Trump. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, so Prometh has made Deus Ex Machina, as you said, this yeah. giant robot... And it's meant to be piloted by one person and powered by a burnish, so Gallo and Leo team up to go back to the city and stop Cray from, you know, destroying the Earth, because using these engines is agitating the Promare. Oh Promare. shit! Fuck! Using these engines, <laughs> using oh, these God. engines is agitating the Promare, which is causing the blowup of the Earth to accelerate even faster. So in doing what he's trying to do to save the planet, quote unquote, he is actually causing the ruin to come.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: That's where I really got the um, kind of global warming vibe, climate Mm -hmm. change vibe that really hit for me there. I think from that kind of stuff. I can see that. Can we talk about the crazy ass dude that has like the teeth? Is his name like the leader of freeze force, right? No. Yeah, maybe. What's his name? He turns into a tiny little truck at one point. Uh, I forgot his name. Does anyone know
1: what I'm talking about, or is this Are some you?
2: crazy ass shit that I didn't I, see? I think this is
1: some baby lack of sleep induced dimension. No, he's like always
2: oh, he's, he, he's I think um Fred Tataskior might have voiced him as well in the American dub.
1: <laughs> well you didn't watch um, the Japanese language original? I don't want to answer that question. Poser? (laughs) No, there
2: was no posing before this at all. There was me. I—I'll be honest with you. I started it in Japanese, Uh and I was could. I was so overloaded. No, no, I I will. Yes, you're right. Commander Vulcan, the leader of yes, Commander Vulcan. Okay.
0: As they're fighting him, eventually, Burning Rescue kind of goes up against them to stop them from like rampaging like they
1: are. Oh, that's right. I remember this now. And
0: his like big tech suit that he's in. When it all breaks down, he's just like a little shrimpy guy. Yeah, he's like a baby That's or something. Right. He's like a big head, a yeah. <laughs> little body dude. At
2: that point when that happened, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> but no, I want to come clean about that, that I did have trouble because I started this with Japanese audio. Mm-hmm. But I was overloaded.
1: I get that.
3: It's like, so I, it,
2: it really overwhelmed me. And mm-hmm. I don't like to watch things in a dubbed version. But that overwhelmed me so bad that I was like, I... I need to finish this movie. Mm -hmm. So I need to find a way that I can finish it. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure that American dub (laughs) helped as much, but at least (laughs) it at least
1: freed me up that I could more Mm -hmm. focus on what I'm watching and not dual. It could be hard to read and gather the information and watch all that kinetic hyperactivity at the same time. Right. I will
0: say I've watched it both ways. I generally prefer stuff in the original audio, but I've watched dubs in the past and sometimes I'll just rewatch them with the dub for fun. I do think the dub on this film is pretty
2: well cast and well acted. It was good. Mm. I really enjoyed. Yeah, and there was a few that I actually recognized their voices on some of the like. I want to say Fred Tatasciore was in there, and he does um, the Hulk for like all of Marvel's animated stuff. Hmm. Um, so a lot of like regular voice actors that I've heard in a lot of American animation. Uh, Billy Bob Thornton was one of them. <laughs> and, That's weird. But he it. But he did Steam Boy too. Like, mm-hmm. he was in Steamboy, and, like, a lot of other um, – I think he even did some of the American dubs of um... – There's a lot
0: of famous actors that have crossed over like that. Like, I know it was before he was too big, but Brian Cranston dubbed some of the Macross
3: stuff.
2: Yeah, yeah. Stuff.
0: That's cool. So there's – I mean,
2: not all the dubs are terrible.
0: And this dub, too, it has some veterans of, like, if you watch anime dubs, there's people you'll know that'll pop back up, like uh, Johnny Young Bosch and Crispin Freeman. They're, like, h- hardcore veterans
2: that have been in tons of anime – doing the dubs so i think that's fair to say to listeners though of the podcast that no one's going to judge you if on this film if you need to watch it with a dub because there's a lot that is one of those gatekeeping <laughs> things
0: too if you get online where you'll you'll run into those people where it's like you know original audio or die if you listen to the dubbed you're trash Blah 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 that's a little harsh I mean, whatever gets you to this material, I think, you know, that's good. It's good that it has a dub, so it makes it accessible to those people. Right. I would prefer it, you know, with the subtitles. I would like people to see it
1: that way in the original way it was done, but it's whatever gets you to this. Sure, and being animation helps. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, obviously it's dubbed by someone at some point. Mm -hmm. So as long as you have a good voice cast in English doing it, it could be... Right, you You don't get that uncanny thing when it's live action that's been dubbed. Right,
2: right. And that's kind of one of the problems for me sometimes with anime is depending on how kinetic it is, it's hard for me to, like, if I'm watching a drama or a horror film or something like that that's in another language and subtitles, that becomes second nature to you. You just, they speak, you read, Mm -hmm. it's all one thing, but you're not tracking a million things happening on the screen at one time. (laughs) Whereas this one... I was like, "I don't know if I can do this, so
1: it's understandable.
2: but mm-hmm. it, and I, but I think that did help me enjoy it more than it would have though had I really been straining to try mm. So at least I think that helped me enjoy get enjoyment out of it. like I don't think I still understood it a whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so with Deus ex machina, we get to this final battle
0: where uh, with all the truth exposed, Harris kind of betrays Cray, overloads the engines, shuts down his plan. And then he comes out in this crazy giant robot, which I thought was interesting because all of its weapons are, like, tools that were made for them to, like, terraform the new planet. Yeah. And I liked that with every attack he would explain, like, well, this was made to break down the earth and the rocks. (laughs) Right. And da-da-da-da. Um.
2: Well, I mean, they spent all that money on it, and you yeah. need to make sure they knew what it was like, this is what we were originally going to use this for because of your bullshit. Now I have to kick your ass with it. But we just get a
0: crazy, excellently choreographed giant robot fight between Gallo and Leo against Cray.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And we get back into that, like, spectacle of the opening of the film, where everything is just this crazy, is over the top. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. we do. Very intense. <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> But in the end, there is one more twist, and it is hinted about a bit earlier in the film, but uh, they they defeat the robot that Cray has, and it turns out that he is also a burnish, actually. Mm-hmm. Right. Like a lot of politicians, he's also a hypocrite. hmm <laughs> <laughs> And we even learned that sort of the event where he saved uh, Gallo's life as a kid from a fire that we thought was like this great moment, he was the one responsible for the flames. hmm And so that even that,
1: too, is a lie. Yep. I think I learned more about this movie now. <laughs> Never meet your heroes, folks. That's that's the takeaway from this. <laughs> that, that can be a harsh
0: lesson sometimes. Too, yeah. Huh? <laughs> um, but yeah, so Cray uh, apprehends Leo and intends to use him as like the final piece and still activate and do the whole teleportation
2: scheme. It's such a good thing that you guys watched this without me while I was at the hospital, because I would have been hitting pause <laughs> and being like, okay, someone explain <laughs> the last 20 minutes. Give me a breakdown. Okay, let's go. <laughs> and so our final final scene
0: is that Gallo sets out to fight Cray one-on-one and get Leo back and stop everything and put it to an end once and for all. Yeah. And he uses the cool uh, Matoy tech armor that he has at the start of the film, which I actually wanted to make a note about that. Uh, it's inspired by the Hakeshi, which were the firefighting groups in ancient Japan that would, um, you know, roll out to try to do what they could against flames. And that Matoi tech, uh, Matoys were large flags that these firemen used to kind of warn others about a fire that was going on or to give guidance on, like, where to go and where to move I thought you were
2: going to tell me they were going to use the flag to fight the fire. I was like, "That's bad." <laughs> no, no, that's, that's and, more air. And
0: actually, their original practice, and this makes sense if you consider like what they could do about a fire back then, they would try to like tear down buildings that were on fire so that they would burn out safely and then not like spread that's the actually areas really around smart. them.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: That's super smart.
0: So the flags themselves played more of a role in just like rescue efforts and getting people clear
1: of where they would kind of set up these spots to let that's, the fire burn out that's something else i just thought about too because I don't, I don't know a lot about japanese history but i know that fires were particularly dangerous in their towns and cities because it was all wood and paper yes so that also adds sort of a more subtext to the movie i think in a way for sure i can see that yeah
2: okay yeah 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 i'll
1: go with you. <laughs> <laughs> excellent
0: point jason oh. excellent point <laughs> thank you um, so in the end, he does defeat Cray, and it's actually with the help of Leo, who kind of like sends some of his flames to protect him. and we get this last moment where Leo is like burned out. He's dying the same way that the chick did earlier in the film, and Gallo gives him mouth to mouth and like passes the flame back to him to resuscitate him.
2: Was this a shipping thing that we were supposed to see? Like, if, you, the- if you go online, you'll see a lot
0: of people that like sell that story that's like, oh, they're like a couple maybe are they are they not? That's all common stuff in the you know anime fandom. Okay, well, I saw
1: that and I was like, "Well, saw that coming." <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of interesting fan artwork too.
0: <laughs> probably, probably, probably. <laughs> I mean, he he uses proper mouth-to-mouth techniques. Tiffany pointed that out when <laughs> we were right, watching it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I never really got the vibe of like a relationship between them outside of just like friendship. But
2: I mean, if you see that and you enjoy it, cool. Yeah, you know, yeah, I don't care. It. Do whatever you want, man. I can see it ready right either way. I mean, fire and ice, man. It's fire and ice. <laughs> so in the end, team back
0: up together. They um, power up Deus Ex Machina again to kind of its final form, where it's as big as the planet. And using, like, the Matoi Flag Spear, they kind of organize all the burnish to fully burn out all their energy while protecting the planet from the flames and releasing the Promare back to their universe. Hey, you got it right. <laughs> 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 Out of sheer tension to not be made fun (laughs) of, I have mastered the proper technique of saying the name of the film. Watch him call it Promare before we're done. Uh So, you know, the Burnish all burn out. They go back to being normal people. Cray is defeated. And the day is saved and the Earth exists on.
1: Yay.
2: And then you, you get assaulted one more time. (laughs) Because it's just giant, bright, fucking yellow screen credits. Yes. And I was like, oh, God!
3: (laughs) I thought we were done! (laughs) Nope.
0: (laughs) And that scale of the mecha, that's kind of a thing that's a callback to Gurren Lagann, the mecha series they worked on back for Gainix. In that show, as it went, they kept scaling up. Like First, it was like a normal giant robot. Then it was like a battleship-sized giant robot. (laughs) then it was planet sized then it was galaxy sized <laughs> <laughs> and in promare they didn't go that crazy but they do like escalated a bit up at least to like the planetary scale another you know
1: slight parody of the trope i guess mm-hmm.
2: i think i'm glad that i've at least found a couple other animes that i do understand from this mm-hmm.
1: cuz man i was lost <laughs> it's i mean it's not this is not entry level no so, like, if you were to recommend for someone getting into anime films, this is probably not something you would say, watch first.
2: I think I needed my uh, Studio Ghibli. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: think that's... Oh, that's
2: so safe, though. There's no risks there.
1: But then I think they're, they're good introductory anime. They are. They are.
0: I mean... They kind of bridge the gap of, like, if you've watched Disney films, mm-hmm. that's, like, one step out. Mm-hmm. That's what I needed, Dustin. Yeah. Promare is, like, the but deep end those. of the pool. You
1: have seen those. So, you've already had your introduction. I have, yeah. And Ooh. I enjoyed them. I, I threw
0: you in and I said swim. Yeah. I've got the blue of most of Ooh. them. Ooh. I do. I do have the blue of this, of course. Of
2: course. To be expected. But this was also streaming on HBO Max. Yes. Which was super cool. Dustin was like, hey, do you have HBO Max? And I was like, well, I steal Jason's. And <laughs> Don't say that. Gonna come after oh. us. Uh, <laughs> I do not steal Jason's. Cut that part out. Uh, edit that <laughs> for sure. But no, it's good
0: that it's so accessible. So if you are interested in this, or you kind of just want to dive
1: right in and don't care about like how crazy and assaulting it is, I also think this is probably better for like a younger audience too, that for... are used to because they're playing video games that are more hyperkinetic, it's, it's earlier really than the stuff I grew up on. <laughs> hey, Jason, I think there's kids on your lawn. <laughs> <I'm>, oh, again, kids <laughs> on <laughs> <up> my lawn. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean, you know how things no, are. just get more intense. And I totally
2: get that. I think this is definitely like, I mean, I even struggle with stuff like Dragon Ball. You know, like mm, sometimes, surprising. sometimes that's a little too hyperkinetic for me. You know, they take
0: like, 20 episodes to go across five minutes of time in Dragon Ball. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're, yeah, they're powering up for like three hours. I think that's, maybe that's why I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where I am right now. <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> well, in the future, maybe I'll poke in some other different directions with anime
2: and try to find... Well,
1: oh, there's all sorts of... Find, find your place.
2: There. Oh, I'm sure... I mean, you already hit the nail on the head because I just took your recommendation and watched Pacific Rim Black. Nice. Which, I don't know. I felt that one was very tame mm-hmm. as far as like anime stylistically goes. I think it tried to keep to the tone of the films so that was kind of the guiding line on that one but I followed that easily you know god I'm gonna sound like such an idiot when <laughs> this In this plays to anyone who's actually an anime fan they're like who let this guy on here and talk about
0: this
1: <laughs> hey well, we, we've got our anime expert right we're, you know, and we're,
2: we're not an anime podcast either we're you know, why we we cast a wide net here. I mean, yeah. that's a that's a good thing because I would have got kicked out a long time ago.
1: <laughs> this guy, can this guy read? <laughs> can he actually read anything? Well, I mean, you know, we introduce, introduce each other to something new. And yeah, the, you know, that's the name the of the show something new genre right. exposure exactly. And the good thing so is, never is, feel stupid. Everyone out there, don't feel stupid like Michael does. <laughs> <laughs> don't be like Michael. Notice I said does, not is. <laughs> Thanks, Jason. You're Thanks. Welcome.
2: No, but I think the good thing was is that you did still pick one. That I did still enjoy, mm-hmm. like I I enjoyed watching it. I'm not gonna say that I got the same things out of it that everybody else would, mm-hmm. but I think that's okay. It works on multiple readings, you yeah, know. for sure. And I've even gotten more out of it some of
0: the times I've gone back and rewatched it because I have watched this one a bunch of times. Because I think if you do like it, it's very rewatchable just for the spectacle of it all. Sure. So yeah, maybe we should just go into our kind of final thoughts on this. Sure. Let's do it. So, Michael. Michael. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know what? I'll go first because it was my movie. Okay. I'll, okay. I'll start seeing this I appreciate out. that. Obviously, I love it. I think it's great on every level. Um, it is very frantic, very fast-paced, very over-the-top. It rarely slows down, and even when it does slow down, it's still at a very, like, you know, carrying fast pace. Uh, there's a lot of characters. It could be hard to follow for some. I'm so entrenched in this. I just was right mm-hmm. carrying along with it perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um if nothing else I think it's important to see for the visuals and the way they've composed it the way they've used the score the soundtrack the way they've incorporated this 3D CG to really make it feel like there's a camera there and there's movement and panning going on all the time. Right. Um the story is not super original but it is well executed I think. There are some good themes in here that you can pull out of it. I don't know how many of those were intended or it's just a consequence of the type of story they're telling. But to me, I love it. It's a five-star all the
1: way for me. Wow. Okay. I can see that. Do you want me to go next? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, I, I did enjoy it a lot. Uh, I think it's pretty engaging. Once you get past the craziness of it, um, I found that a little bit off-putting. Um, but once I got used to it, and I'm going with Flow, okay, I'll just, I'll just go with this. It's a crazy ride. Um, it's definitely worth watching. Uh. I would give it, oh boy, I want to give it three and a half. Okay. All right. Because I really did enjoy it, and I think it's it's unique. Like, I haven't seen another anime quite like it. Well, you just watch hentai all the time, though. so <laughs> I mean, <you> know. <laughs> That'll be a later uh, episode, that's, right? That's, yeah, that's different.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's a different genre.
1: <laughs> um, But, uh, yeah, it's not something I would recommend to someone who's new to anime by, by any stretch of the imagination. But I think if you've seen a few and you want something kind of crazy and nuts, check it out. Cool. All, All right, right, Michael.
2: Well, I'm going to – I enjoyed it. I enjoyed watching it. I didn't fully understand it. I think that this also would have helped me. Um, unfortunately, we had to watch this separately right? Um, due to baby and being in hospital and stuff. So we had to watch this separately, which I think might have helped me if I was in the room. I'm like a walking audio commentary for <laughs> a lot of the things I pick. <laughs> but that's good because sometimes if it, I don't know, sometimes I need just a little nudge to be mm-hmm. like, Oh, okay. And then that falls into place. So I think I'm going to give this a three out of five okay, because I did enjoy it. Um, But it also could be one of those things that now that we've talked about it, if I go back and rewatch it, mm-hmm. that I'm, that I might see a lot of the things that I missed, um, now that the idea is there, yeah. Now that the, now that the idea is there, and also now that the shock is gone from <laughs> <laughs> that makes me sound so old, but like this movie is shocking to watch. Like it at first, it, you're like, it's, "Whoa!"
1: It's visually challenging. It yeah. really is,
2: and I really appreciated it a lot. Like from an artist's point of view, and from an artist mm-hmm. standpoint, there's some very original, you know animation happening here. Oh, yeah, gorgeous visuals. Absolutely. I mean, but like we said earlier, it did kind of remind me a lot of some of the um into the spider verse stuff, mm-hmm. like when that kind of got a little crazy and trippy. Yeah. So that felt familiar at least. But yeah, I think it's definitely worth watching. I'm sure that if you're an anime fan, Then you should have no reason to not watch this. Like, you probably should have already watched it. And Dustin's probably sitting here judging you. Like, (laughs) you haven't seen, you haven't seen Promare? Wait, Promare? Oh, no, I'm never going (laughs) to live this
0: down. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, the bad thing is we've made so many jokes now, it has to stay in. Oh, it's going to stay in. Yeah, there's no question (laughs) about
2: it. Because, I mean, I never trip you up, ever. (laughs) Like, I could be like, hey, you know that one movie from like, I don't know the 70s with that one guy in it and Dustin's like, "Yeah, that's actually." And we'll like rattle <laughs> off the movie that I'm thinking of and then tell me everything else about it and so I can't get him on anything. So hey, listen, yeah. always stay humble, folks. <laughs> so <laughs> if if he fucks up a word of the movie, yeah, we're then on I'm them. on him. People yeah. get stuff wrong and you
0: got to be able to accept that. So don't beat yourself up too much. I actually won't, I don't think. So
2: <laughs> <laughs> we'll just see wait till you hear the playback of this you'll okay. be like God damn it!" God damn. <laughs> we'll see we'll see well it's my pick right what's, what's coming next yeah we got so there's a new a24 film out woohoo so that's my jam let's fucking watch it saint maud saint maud right. nice. i'm stoked i yeah, been waiting been to watch, watch this, this. Yeah. yeah so let's do it let's watch saint maud far out can't wait Killer. All right, guys. Thanks, as always, for listening. Please hit us up on all of your favorite channels, whether it's the Instagrams, the Twitters, the Facebooks. I don't know. Is there any other ones? Uh, Email us at
0: genreexposure at gmail.com. Yeah. We want to hear your thoughts. We want to hear your movie recommendations. If we get recommendations in, we're going to start covering films that people suggest to us.
2: Yeah, send me something. Send me
0: something. something to
1: watch. Give us something crazy.
0: Yeah, something crazy, something weird. A film that you love that you think not enough people know about. We want to boost the signal on cool stuff. I'm so excited
2: for that day. It'll happen. When somebody gives us something cool and I'm like, damn, I never saw this. That movie's awesome. Yeah, Right. That's what this is all about. Yes. All right, guys. Well, it's been fun. Yep. All right. We'll see you next time. Yeah, next time. Bye, everybody. Take care.